When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 214. Today's episode is all about bite-sized ways to transform your life. Look at these thoughts and now think, how conducive are they to creating change that you want? But you catch them. And it's not about being critical around them. It's just awareness, right? They're just thoughts, that's it. Challenge the ones then that like to hang around. So if we're talking about self-confidence or anything else, that, oh, you can't do that. Who are you to be doing that? So catch those popular negative thoughts, challenge them, check the evidence. And the third step is change it. Change it to something that's more helpful. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hello, love. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit that cute little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are really a great way to give back if you find this show helpful. They help the show climb the charts, which helps me get even more amazing guests for you. And now on to the show. Have you ever come across someone who just seemed to have it all? They seemed genuinely happy. They were working towards something that brought them joy. They just had their shit together. And then you came back to yourself and thought, wow, do I have a lot of work to do? Sure, there's the possibility that that person just may seem effortlessly golden on the outside, and maybe behind closed doors, their life is completely falling apart. Or maybe they have issues just like the rest of us, but they actually do have their shit together. Maybe they know how to process emotions and work through procrastination, and they believe that they are just as worthy of success as anyone else. I was at that point once, Not the shit together point, I mean the sitting in my own shit point. I had just moved to LA to start over from my worst relationship ever. And I vividly remember one day sitting in this yoga class, trying to figure out how to sneak out during Shavasana, like a sociopath. I was also super hungover and I had acid reflux from purging my meal the night before and I was on copious amounts of Adderall. So that last three minutes felt like my own personal hell. But I specifically remember this one girl, maybe a few years older than me, that always came to the same class I did. And she'd just breeze in with her glowing skin and her perma smile. And I thought, she seems really healthy and happy. And I think I just pretend to be. Do I just pretend to be happy and healthy? That one thought was the seed that would eventually grow into a whole lifetime of positive changes. But at the time, All I saw was how much work there was to be done. I focused on the lack, what I didn't yet have, who I wasn't quite yet. The changes felt so big that it was hard to find a starting point. And for a while, that held me back from doing anything at all. But eventually the pain of staying where I was became greater than the fear of the whole big journey ahead. So I started somewhere. I ended up tackling one thing at a time. 
My addictions were too deep, so I started by changing my relationship with my body in the ways that felt accessible. Yoga was a big help for that. Or surrounding myself with positive influences. And then trying to rewrite my negative self-talk, which is always a work in progress. What I learned was that every big change or big goal is just a series of small, accessible steps. Really, the only way to tackle a big goal is by breaking it down into smaller goals. And now, when depressive thoughts come sneaking back in or bad behaviors creep up, I know that sometimes doing one small thing differently can help me completely revert my course. The truth is, we will never be free of all of our issues. Growth is just about having the right tools for when the issues come up. And if you're like me, you might need a lot of them. Sometimes what works one day doesn't work another. But the more I turn to these tools instead of some coping mechanism, the more they become my default. It's kind of like learning a new language. At first, every single word takes conscious thought. And when someone speaks to you, it all sounds like gibberish and all you want to do is scream... I'm going to pee on the floor of your restaurant day. Okay, that, that was a bit much, but the point is, with time and practice, the words just start to roll off of your tongue. With your mindset, at first it seems like you have to rewrite every thought, but after a while, these positive thoughts start to become your default, and the conscious effort only needs to go towards the bigger things or the issues that really throw you for a loop, which become fewer and further between. So today we're going to learn a bunch of tools for your toolbox. This episode is going to be a little different and a lot of fun, so I know it's going to be really helpful. Our guest is Linda Bonner. She's a coach, author, trainer, and educational well-being consultant based in New York City. She helps people overcome challenges successfully and move forward confidently, allowing them to thrive in life and not just survive in the daily grind. So three key things we will learn are six game-changing productivity tips, the most powerful questions to ask yourself, and how small changes to your language affect your mind. But before we get started, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. Every weekday morning, you get a little bite-sized way to transform your life. Think of it like a short note from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you grow. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. And now let's welcome Linda Bonner to the show. Hi. Oh my gosh, Melissa. It's so lovely to be here. I'm really excited just to speak with you today. It's awesome. I know. We already figured out we're in alignment because we're both yeah. all about those bite-sized hacks for life and little things that we can do because it really is the little things that add up to the big changes in our life. And I think we think, oh, we got to do this giant thing, but those things aren't really sustainable. Even the big things are a series of small steps. So I'm curious, what led you to focus on personal change and and finding these bite-sized ways to help people? Oh gosh, Melissa, this is, and I say this all the time, right? Anytime I've asked this, I try and get to like a long story short and just do a terrible job at it. But bear with me. So I think any of us who've come to that stage where we create big changes in our lives, we've been through something. Like we have that story to tell and and there's something that's really prompted us or else we just get fed up of the way things are. And that's exactly what I got to, Melissa. I was was 
fed up with the way with the way that I was and with the way that my life was going. And I was so negative and I was so stressed and I carried around all this baggage from my past. And I just had I had such low self-esteem, not an ounce of self-confidence, even though I think maybe some people thought that I had at the time. And I was like, do you know what? I'm I'm fed up of worrying about what I look like. I'm fed up about counting calories, about trying to stay skinny and keep skinny and, and all of that. And it's boring, right? It's really, really boring. And the irony is that some of us who've been caught in this cycle of eating disorders, it eats away at you. You're not eating or maybe you are, but these things just eat away at your mind all the time. And... A couple of things happened in my life where I said, you know what, like things really need to change. But now I had no idea how to change, Melissa. And this then is what brought me to these bite-sized things, right? Because I started seeing a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a nutritionist, and these are all amazing people doing amazing work in the world, but they all wanted me to do so much work. And I was like, ladies, I'm one person here. I don't even know where to start with all of this. And I remember my nutritionist giving me a list of maybe like seven, seven or eight things that she wanted me to do. And I went home and I was like, my gosh, where do you even start with this? And so I just started thinking, right, if I was to do one thing, if it's not seven and it's not eight, but if I was to do one thing today, what would it be? I said, God, I've got to sort my mind out. I'm so negative. And so that's where I started. And I'm all about gratitude now as well. And not because it's, oh, it's a buzzword or anything. It's because it's something that really helped me create a change. I used to wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I have to go to work. And these are things that I can't do. And one day I decided, right, yes, I get to go to work. I have a job. I love my job. I loved my job at the time I was a teacher. And so it was like, right, just one foot in front of the other, one step that I can take, then I'll do something else. That's so, it just resonates with me so much because I found myself in that same spiral where I'm like, man, like everything is shit. (laughs) And I'm like, but it's also not. And it's the way I'm like, everything around me isn't. Everything around me is the same as it is for the person next to me. But for me, everything is shit. Why? It was the way I was treating myself, the way I was looking at things. And I'm not going to lie. I feel like for those of us who have gotten in that groove, like, I was just telling my husband, I've been in a pretty deep depression. And so there's moments where I'm all of a sudden, maybe I sort of lose my habits and I'm like, oh, everything feels like shit again. Oh yeah. Start doing all the things that you know works. And it's like, I go down that groove because I know the groove is there. And I've, I'm the one who made that groove from a one down to a negative (laughs) 10. And so it's really easy to fall back there. But it's helpful because I'm always saying that personal development and personal change isn't about making everything in your life great. It's about having the tools or even healing all of your issues. It's about having the tools for when the issues arise or for when things arise. And so still expect things to come up and for you to go down with them or whatever it is. And so I have a really cool idea for this episode because your book is all about just these three things, which is great because that's actionable things that people can do. Maybe they focus on one thing at a time per day, but I know that you and I are full of a bunch of different tools. So I want to go through all of these little changes or these topics that tend to be the top things that people have struggles with. And 
we'll each just name our three things so people have a whole grab bag of things to pull from by the end of this episode. I absolutely love it. And it's so funny, Melissa, when you're talking about your husband there, I'm I'm laughing because mine does the exact same thing. I'm like, I just don't feel good today. I can't put my finger on it, but I just don't feel good. And he says, okay, but you know to do things that make you feel good. So do those. And I'm like, but do I? Do I really know these things? Yeah. When you, well, when you're in the hole, when you're in that dark place, all of your thoughts are in alignment to the dark place. And so that's why for me, I even create like physical, I call them my power lists. They're physical lists of things that I know will get me out of the hole. And mind you, while I'm reading over this list, when I'm in my dark hole, I'm thinking, this is crap. This doesn't sound good. This sounds awful. But I have to trust that knowing that like, no, I know it sounds awful. I know for some reason doing yoga in the sunlight with a matcha latte sounds terrible, but you also have to know you sound crazy. Go do it and you'll feel great. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. Is it? Gosh, our mind is just, it's such a powerful thing, right? And again, we've got to trust ourselves with this. We know that it works go with it. And if that doesn't work in the way that it's worked before, do something else. Find it, be flexible in your approach as well. So the first thing I want to ask is about self-confidence, because I feel like that is kind of the gateway to a lot of different things. You have to believe you can do something. You have to believe in yourself before you will take a leap for your dream job, or you'll put yourself out there for somebody you love. There's so many things that confidence goes back to. So what are your top three tips for increasing confidence? So what are your top three tips for increasing confidence? Okay. First one is definitely the inner critic. I don't know about, about your inner critic, Melissa, but mine has got a, a loudspeaker and I think just a million loudspeakers sometimes. So definitely catching your inner critic and having that conversation with them. The second thing then in terms of inner confidence, self-confidence, and it's linked to that inner critic, it's mind management, right? Catch those thoughts. Be aware of what's sitting in your headspace. Whether that is your inner critic, maybe it's your imposter voice showing up, or it's it's a negative thought. So be aware of that as well. And the third thing that I love in terms of confidence is remind yourself of what you've come through already. We can be so quick when we're faced with an obstacle or a challenge like, oh, I can't do this. And it's like, hang on a second. Look at all the stuff that I've dealt with in the past already. Look at all the successes that I have here in my grab bag as such, right? In my toolkit. Remind yourself of those. So when you think about your inner critic or when you're catching those thoughts, what's your process look like? Like, do you write them down? Do you rewrite them into something positive? How do you catch them? And then what do you do once you acknowledge that you're having these negative thoughts? Oh, this is great. So I've got a process that I call the three C's, catch, challenge, and change. When I started this process, and you know, I I had no idea about mind management until I started working with my psychiatrist years ago. And so she helped me you know, create that awareness of what's actually in your headspace, Linda. Like, look at these thoughts and now think, how conducive are they to creating change that you want? And I'm like, gosh, look at this list of thoughts. Like, they're not conducive at all. But you catch them. And it's not about being critical around them. It's just awareness, right? They're just thoughts. That's it. 
challenge the ones then that like to hang around. So if we're talking about self-confidence or anything else, oh, you can't do that. Who are you to be doing that? So catch those popular negative thoughts and then, sorry, catch them, challenge them, check the evidence. Imagine that you're a high class lawyer and you're like, well, hang on, where's my evidence for and against this really? How can I think realistically about this? And the third step is change it. Change it to something that's more helpful. So if I'm sitting here thinking, oh, you know, nobody's going to buy my book, catch that thought, challenge it. Well, hang on, who says nobody's going to buy your book? Really? And if that's the worst thing that happens in the world, will you get over it? Yes, I will. And change it to something. I've still written a book, right? How many people can hold their hands up and say, I've written a book? There you go. Yeah. I love those. And It's actually very similar to what I use to increase my self-confidence. The first one I was thinking about is acknowledging and challenging negative thoughts and then rewriting the story. So it's exactly what you just said. And it's so important because I remember when I first did this, and I've shared this on my podcast so many times because it was one of the steps I took in order to have the confidence to launch a podcast. And so at first I was like, is this going to be another thing? I was just really hesitant to start. And what's interesting about that hesitancy or the fear is I think that we don't always put two and two together on where that's coming from. We just know that it sounds like this big goal that feels like insurmountable. And so we're (laughs) sitting there like not doing anything. And so when I started writing down my negative thoughts, I'm like, well, that's what's holding me back. And the big one for me is I thought I was too ADD to complete anything. And so I didn't want to invest another more time in something. And then not come to fruition and then just be like, I've wasted more time and money. Well, when I noticed that that was coming up, I'm like, well, where is that thought even coming from? I used to finish things. What haven't I finished? And so I challenged it, like you said. And what I came to the conclusion of was before I was doing things for the wrong reasons, I was like following money or doing something because it was somebody else's idea of success. And so the moment I caught that, I was able to rewrite it as when I find something I'm passionate about, I always follow through. And so that became the new narrative. And then it was the first thing I followed through on in quite some time. So that challenging, it gets into the subconscious things. And so a lot of the times we don't realize that these narratives are running our head. And then I use that rewriting as an affirmation. So that's my second thing. And I practice talking myself up because it's something that we don't do a lot, especially as women. And so when I would start telling people about my podcast, I'd be like, Instead of just saying like, oh yeah, I have a podcast, you can listen or not. I'd be like, oh yeah, I have a top mental health podcast in 70 countries. Mic drop. <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And then the third one is to practice stepping out of your comfort zone with these little things because it's not it's not even the affirmations that change what you believe about yourself. That might change what you're willing to do or maybe give you a little bit of courage to step out of the comfort zone, but it's all the action that creates the new self-belief. Absolutely. Like, I love all of this. Positive thinking is great, Melissa. Positive mindset is brilliant. Nothing changes without action. We have got to take action. So the next three things I want to know from you are what are the three most powerful questions that you've asked yourself and then why? Ooh, okay. And you know what? So I've got three in the book, but I was thinking about this this morning and yesterday while I was out for a run. And there's so many. The first one is definitely, what do people experience when they experience me? And that, yeah, I know, gosh, I know. And that 
comes back to bite me on the backside so many times. This book, Melissa, has come back to bite me on the backside. (laughs) Oh, but Linda, you say something very different in your book. And I was like, oh. (laughs) So this whole idea of when I'm interacting with someone, what is their experience of me? And it just every now and then I'll just catch myself in a situation where maybe I'm not being my best self. Maybe I'm being impatient or rude or whatever. And it's like, honestly, Linda, what is, what's this person experiencing of you right now? And I'm like, okay, right, rein it in. I don't need to behave like that at all. One of the other ones then that's come up for me is, and this came up a lot of the weekend. So I ran the Philadelphia Marathon at the weekend. I've got a couple of marathons in my toolkit, my bag already as such. But I'm going around there, Melissa. And every now and then I'm like, is this me at my best? Gosh, I get really emotional when I think about it. It's like, is this me being excellent? Do I have anything else to give right now? And regardless of whether it's a run, it's a book, it's a coaching session, whatever it is, I check in on myself and I'm like, is this me being excellent? And it's like, you know what? It is. And so I stop the the self-critical talk and I, and I get on with it. And I love it. And then the third question Sometimes it's around my time. I'm one of these people, I'll start 10 million things. The laundry's half hanging up, right? There's the stuff half <laughs> just sitting around the things. And so again, I check in myself and it's like, is this the best use of my time right now? Really? If I'm scrolling and I know it would be better if I was writing, so just catch <laughs> myself, is this the best use of my time right now? And be honest with myself as well. Oh, I love those. And it's funny that you mentioned that about the book biting you in the butt because I've had a number of people come on though and they're like, you know, with what I know now, I would have written this differently in my book or, (laughs) but it makes perfect sense because by the time you're done writing a book, you're a changed person. I haven't written a book yet. It's on my list, but I did write a keynote, which was an emotional process and all this like hours, about a hundreds of hours went into this thing. Right. And by the end of it, I'm like, well, now I want to rewrite it now that it's perfect. (laughs) But so I love that you acknowledge that my three most powerful questions is what am I being guided toward or away from? And when Mm. I acknowledge that, I know I'm always being guided. Like if you really pay attention and you ask for guidance, I fully believe this. Like this week has just been a difficult week for me. So I've been asking to be guided and I will like turn a corner and there'll be like some kids stuck a sticker on a pole, but it's like an inspirational quote and exactly what I needed to hear. (laughs) Or like I opened my email and some like Salesforce sent me a a message and it's a story and I don't want their product, but I needed to hear this message, like so many things. And often I'm being guided away from things where I know like that nagging feeling, it might be the scrolling. Recently it was alcohol. And it was one of those things where I was like, I've made so many changes, just decreasing alcohol every year, more and more. And then at one point I was just like, I think my life would just be better without it altogether. And I could feel that while I was having a glass of wine with things. And so that's my (laughs) most recent one. I think I'm like 91 days in. So I'm proud of that. My other question would be, who do I want to be? And am I in alignment with that right now? And so that will speak to different actions. And then how can I be more present in the areas that I do choose to spend my time? Right now, I am a new mom. And so there's times when I'm like, I know my schedule. And it's like, I know I have 
bravery all day today, or I know that a sitter is coming to help me with my interviews right now, so I have in the morning, and I'll be sitting with him, but I'll be sort of checking my email or doing things, and then I'm like, I'm half-assing both things that I'm doing. Just be all in and feel good about it and let go of the guilt over here, and then be all in over here and let go of the guilt over here. So those would be my three. I love those, Melissa. I love, oh gosh, I love the three of them. The first one is so powerful, right? Mm-hmm. So powerful. It's kind of like just checking in with that, almost like with your internal compass. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like, where am I? Oh, yeah. Amazing. And Thank I you. find that the more that we actually follow our guidance because what I did for most of my life and I think what a lot of people do they're like I know I should do this and then they don't or I have this idea and it's that little inner nagging and they don't do it and then they build a self-belief that they don't listen to that or that it doesn't mean anything but the moment that you're like well like I do it almost radically these days I'm like well there's three cars over here I should just turn left instead (laughs) or like I'll go do something and then like the page won't load and I'm like this is a distraction and you know it it's not loading for a reason move back and so I'm just like quick with the guidance (laughs) just see where I'm led and it works really well oh that's fantastic I love it it's like you've just built it in like it's habitual now isn't it and you're getting all of those signs what are three ways three of your top tips for dealing with anger Mm, this is a good one because this is this is something that I continually work on and I need to be really transparent here as well we're all works in progress and anybody who does read the book will recognize that as well I do not have all of these things down to a T there's not just three things at all in fact there's lots lots of things around it the first one is always and I love this name it to tame it right just say it recognize that it's there. Stop trying to sweep it under the carpet and pretend that it's not there at all. If you're angry, you're angry. And every emotion is useful in some context. So it's an indication that perhaps you have somebody who's violated a value or there's something that just isn't sitting well with you. So definitely name it. And the second thing that I think is really important as well is understand. So it connects with what you were saying earlier, Melissa, about what's the story that you're telling yourself around it? You know, is that narrative in your head? Are you just feeding that anger rather than taking a step back from it? And I get that's my third thing that as well. It's not helpful to stay in it for a long period of time. So you ask yourself, I'm a huge fan of checking in with yourself as you've already gathered, right? But it's like, how long do I want to stay angry for? Am I ready to move out of anger just yet? No, I'm not actually, because I'm really peed off with that. Okay, and what is it about that thing that I'm really annoyed or peed off about? Well, I just don't feel hurt. Okay, right. So it's almost like you just kind of, you get your inner coach voice working and you just start to work through it. And usually what we find is, I even hear my tone of voice is completely changed, right? We usually find that under anger is something else. Sadness, disappointment, So actually, I'm I'm not angry with Steve. I'm really disappointed because I feel like I wasn't heard. Now I'm in a better position to communicate that as well. Now, Melissa, I know that's more than three. (laughs) I feel like that's 10 things there. (laughs) Super helpful, though. They're very similar to mine. My number one is meditation. And it's one of those things where I was meditating for 
40 minutes a day my whole pregnancy and then I didn't have that much time when I was a new mom and all of a sudden I'm like why am I not my best self and I, was, I felt like I was being pulled in different directions it was hard to be present my emotions were more volatile and so now I'm back to meditating and so that can be I find that it helps my anger if my meditation practice is regular so it'll even help it when things come up I don't get to that peak as I usually do but it's also helpful like I'm like I am mad right now I'm gonna go meditate and then we'll come back to this and it kind it goes into my second one, which is pause before responding. Oh my gosh, those emails. An email comes and I'm like writing back to like support for Amazon. Like, how could you? (laughs) You ruined my life. (laughs) So, So pause before responding. And then the last one is pretty much what you said, where it's just like peel back the layers. Because a lot of times what I think the issue is, is not what the real issue is. And if I sit with it and I'm like, I challenge it, like you said before, too, and ask those questions like, is this true? And is this story that I'm feeding it true? Is like, am I only focusing on one aspect of this? Is this fair to the person I'm angry at? Things like that. And usually it's something underneath. And if I don't, if I don't challenge it, though, my anger turns to passive aggression. (laughs) And so, yeah. And then we end up just like, and then we end up in fights other actual fights because I'm doing passive aggressive things. And then he's like, what are you being passive aggressive for? And then I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm like, you should know. This is one that I get from my mom, right? So my dad would come home from work and my mom would like slam the dinner God. I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> She'll slam the dinner down on the table in front of him. And he'll say, are you all right, love? I'm fine. <laughs> They're going, clearly you're not, mum. I mean, why don't you just tell dad that? And so if, I think if we've grown up learning that as well, that, you know, go silent, because that was one of my things for so long. So when I say I'm a work in progress, I trust me, I am. I will still go silent when I'm angry. I'm getting better at speaking about it. But I really have to carve back that time for myself first to go through those questions of what is it that I'm really angry about here so that I don't because I can so easily and I get I still do. But it's like, what do you mean? Like, I've got, you should know why I'm angry. I mean, look at this. <laughs> It's so funny too, because when I'm actually like peeling this back, this is the process in my head. A lot of times the first few minutes I am feeding the story and I'm coming back with some epic comeback. I'm like, oh yeah, this will put him in his place for the rest of our lives. And then by the time I'm done with my questions, I'm like, you know, it just, it would feel really good if you emptied the dishwasher or something like that. Or a lot of times it'll even come back to me where I'm like, wait, actually, this all started with me. Like, he doesn't even know this is an issue. I don't even have anything to say. Love you, babe. <laughs> you know, it's just so ridiculous. And I'm like, man, if you would have heard my thought cycle in the beginning of this, thank God you gave me that 20 minutes. <laughs> Melissa, that comes back to what you said about that pausing. So like responding instead of reacting, just giving yourself that time even if it's something as simple as a couple of seconds and stepping away from the situation. Gosh, looking at a picture of happy puppies clambering all over each other or just thinking, really? 
am I, again, what, what's true about this? Is this really as important as I'm making it out to be? So what are your top three things to do to be more productive? Uh, this is an interesting day to be asking that as well. Because I'm like, well, I'll do this and I'll start this. And so one of them is definitely that question that I suggested earlier. Is this the best use of my time? Really. And I've gotten really good at separating urgent from important because we love to do the things that we like to do. Oh, I'll do this because I like doing that. And it's like, well, hang on. Is that what really needs to be done here? So a lot of this is asking ourselves better questions that we get better answers. I know what I'd love to be doing all day. It's not very productive though, right? So it's, again, it's, it's checking in. And is this the best use of my time? I love thinking about, like I said, the urgency and the importance of it and getting rid of distractions, right? Know what your time thieves are. What, like, what's your attention drawn to? Is it like the shiny, shiny, a new email coming in, a bing from phone? Like, what is it? So know what distracts you and what steals your time and then do something about that. Because once you're aware of it, it's like naming and taming. Once you're aware of these distractions, you can do something with it. If you're not aware of them, they'll continue to steal from you. So I think there's some things that I definitely keep at the forefront of my mind. I do my best to anyways. Right. It's those things that we have to stop doing that I feel like make uh-huh. the biggest difference. So my three things, the first one is bring back my best self journal. And so this one actually has a number of tips within it because I love the best self journal. They are not a sponsor of this podcast. I just really love their journal. They basically asks you like you lay out your day, but it has room for gratitude. It has room for mm-hmm. your wins. But what I found is that when I actually plan my day the day before, like, okay, these are the windows of time yeah. I'm going to have. These are the top three things that I need to get done to move the needle. I'm so much more likely to do that because if I wait until the morning, it's like, oh, the morning I'm having my coffee, I'm playing with my baby. And then I'm like, I go with emotion. I'm like, well, this would be nice. I could do this tomorrow. And then that keeps happening. So if I do yes. it for tomorrow, I'm less emotional about writing it out because I'm not about to have to do those right then, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's the first one. And it includes the gratitude and all that. Then figure out where your time is going and do less of what's not important. So pretty much what you said. And when I'm figuring out doing less of what's not important, some of it is not necessarily that I'm going to cut that out altogether. Like for example, making meals, like meals are really important to me. Organic, healthy meals, homemade. I like that. But how can I change it to where it's not taking up so much of my time? And so that might include meal delivery services. What I just decided to bring back right now is like purple carrot, this one meal delivery service that's vegan. They actually have prepared meals. And so it cuts back on time already when they send you all the pieces, but you still have to cook it. This one, all you have to do is heat it up. So I'm like, okay, I need that for lunches. So outsource yeah. or, or figure out with the things you shouldn't be doing, either stop doing them or outsource them. So that's my third one. Love that. It's like delegating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, who, who do you have around you who can help you? And I don't mean using people or being manipulative or anything like that at all. If there's something, it's like ironing even, laundry service. If there's something that's within your means to afford it and it just makes things easier, do it. Exactly. Make things easy. 
And then, of course, don't guilt yourself when you are choosing not to do something <laughs> because you see on Instagram that some super mom is doing that. You don't know if she doesn't have a secret helper back there. <laughs> so that grace is really important. Now, this one's a really excited one. I talk about this a lot. What are some changes that you make to your language that affect your reality? Mm, this I love this. So you know that my background is in NLP, in neurolinguistic programming. So I'm all about those patterns of language, patterns of thought and patterns of behavior. And one of them, and this is so funny, it's like I program my own brain now to just anytime I hear it, I'm like, oh, there's the S word. So should. Okay. Get rid of, gosh, Melissa, there was two words that I can get rid of. Okay. Well, I'll leave it at one. One word from the English language and it will be should. And when we check should out, The reason I have a problem with it is when we check it out, it usually belongs to someone else. It signifies someone else's rules or expectations that perhaps we've taken on ourselves or they've given to us and we've just never questioned. So things like I should go to the gym. Says who? Who says that? Uh, I say it. Okay. But are you actually motivated then to go to the gym? Does that word motivate you? No, look at me. I'm still here. So when we don't then do the thing we think we should do, often guilt comes along. So if you're using the word should, take some time, pause and check it out for yourself and think, right, is this word, is it motivating? Does it empower me? Is it conducive to creating change? It's highly likely that it's not. And should has sisters. It's got a whole host of friends, hasn't it? Need, must, have to. I have to get all of this done. I have to do this. So I think even just slowing down and paying attention to the language, either that's like your self-talk or the language that you use when you're talking with someone else or even about yourself with someone else as well. Which brings me to the second thing, or maybe it's the 33rd thing at this stage. (laughs) How do you describe yourself? What are the labels that you put on yourself? This ties in, there's so many things that this ties in with. And it's really funny, Melissa, because I was with one of my NLP trainers the other day and she pulled me up on this. I said something, marathon training at the time, and I said, oh, these stairs, these stairs just kill me or I'm so bad, I haven't done my training change. She said, whoa, 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 hang on a second now, Missy. And I said, oh, just heard myself. I'm not bad for not doing my training today. I'm not bad for eating that second piece of cake. It's just food. It is what it is. So catch the labels as well, whether they're around yourself, around others, or around the behavior that you have. And then what would my third one be? Gosh, I feel like that's... (laughs) I mean, (laughs) those are pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. So I love this question because I could answer it in so many different ways. But first, I'm going to do the simple ways, the ones that came to mind first. Speaking in the positive affirmative instead of the negative, like we've learned that the brain doesn't hear negatives. And so always just switch it to the positive affirmative. So instead of saying like, oh, I'm not depressed, say I'm happy. You know, that's a simple example. But and I find that that comes up a lot where I do it in the negative. But then that means that my 
thought is on the negative. Just like if somebody, what's the example people always use? If somebody says, don't think of a pink elephant, that's the only thing you could think of. <laughs> and, so, and so it's the same thing when you're using the negative of anything. Speak highly of yourself, which is basically what you've just said. Notice how you're speaking about yourself, the things that even if it's just in your mind, what you believe about yourself and can you challenge that and rewrite it, even if it feels fake at first, because it starts with that and then you start to take the action and then you build that self-belief. And then the last one is my husband and I always catch each other doing this. You know, when you're like, really fired up about something and you're like on your soapbox and you're like in front of a group of people and you're like, and then this happened and then we got to do this and this and this, but I don't know. And, and it's like all of a sudden you realize, wait, everyone's looking at me or, oh, I was using a lot of emotion with that. Or it could even be in normal ways of speaking, but so often notice how many people end their really well put together paragraph with a, but I don't know. And so my husband and I always go, no, you do know. You do know. (laughs) And so like, yeah, I do know. This is what I'm going to do next. And I actually kind of have a fourth is speak for yourself instead of others. And it's something that I have worked on over the years. A lot of times when we're explaining our own experience, we'll default to the you. And so it's kind of a little peeve of mine where somebody will say like, yeah, well, you know how when you start a new venture and then you don't think you can do it. And then so you get in your head and it's like, how about reframe that to when I start a new venture, I get in my head because you're kind of telling other people how to feel and you're discrediting yourself in a way and you're just speaking for other people. And so you allow people to say, well, I don't feel that way. And if you only speak for yourself, then it just is so much more true and authentic because that is your experience and it forces you to own what you're saying. So those are mine. Oh gosh, I love that. And that fourth one is so powerful, right? Own it. Yeah. Own it and let us stop trying to assume what others are feeling or assume that we know what their experience is because everybody's experience is completely different. So it's so those I statements and it comes back to what we said about uh, feelings as well or I am angry right now. This is how I feel about it. I respect your decision or your opinion. This is purely something that I'm experiencing right now. So those little things that are so powerful, right? Yes. And it's all of those things are something that successful leaders do, which is my next question. (laughs) What are your top three things that successful leaders do? Oh, I think, gosh, there's so many here. One of them that I absolutely love, and it's something that I came across a couple of years ago, but again, it's something that so many of my coaching clients bring to conversations. They often feel that they need to know it all, that they need to be the expert in the room. Successful leaders will own what they know and they'll own what they don't know. Mm. And it brings me on to, this is kind of tied in with the second thing then as well, because they recognize other people's expertise. They call on them. They bring them into the equation. Hey, Melissa, I don't know a lot about, make this up, like social media marketing or whatever. I know this is your area of expertise. I would love your help here. Can you help me with this? So I think that's kind of like two things in one. But another thing that they definitely do then as well is, so they own it, right? They're accountable, like we were saying. There's no blame game going on. Successful leaders, like good, efficient leaders will own it. They'll put their hand up and say, you know what? That's on me. That's my mistake. And here's what I'm willing to do then to to rectify it. And they're coachable. 
They're all willing to grow again. So it comes back to that first point of they own what they know, but they own what they don't know as well. I want to learn that. Help me develop. Help me grow. Because they know when they do that, then they're modeling that excellent coaching behavior for others. And I think these these little things, I mean, gosh, there's so many of them, right, when it comes to successful leaders. So it's the openness, the open and honest, transparent communication as well. And I say one more. Would that be okay? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, my gosh, because this has just popped into my head and I love it. It comes back to the responding instead of reacting. They pause and it's almost like they think, right, I wonder what that person could have gone through today that encourages them to behave in this way with me now. Mm. So if Linda shows up and she's really angry instead of as a successful, good leader, instead of getting all rallied up and whatever, it's, oh, gosh, I wonder what could be going on in Linda's life right now to encourage that kind of behavior. And maybe I'll check in with her later and see how she is. Oh, those ones are so good. I can tell you're probably an amazing leader (laughs) just by those (laughs) tips. So I like yours even better than mine. My three were investing in the development of their team, which is very similar to what you were saying. That's where my mind was at in that I had a boss before that it's funny because my husband and I are both very, we both love to learn. We both love to get our hands in there, but we're the kind that we're like, Often in his business, what stalled him from growing his business in the first years of it was that he always ended up doing the work because it almost seemed like it was going to take just as much work to train somebody else in it. But then he had to get around the idea of like, no, like I need to finally figure out how to process what I know and then outsource it, like give it to somebody else so that I can keep building and I can be the idea man and all that. So the development of the team has been huge. And that means there's a lot that goes into good hiring practices to find people in alignment, but that's a whole different question. Also investing in yourself as a leader. You know, if like, I want to keep getting better as well. I want to find ways. I want to take leadership courses and I want to figure out where I could be better and enhance those skills within myself. And then that leads to my third one is getting feedback. And so that's kind of goes to what you said about being coachable. Ask your team, where are you happy? What do you think we can improve? Like, what do you need from me that maybe you're not getting? And it doesn't mean that every piece of feedback is something you immediately need to change, but getting this feedback, whether it's from your team or from customers for a product or something that you're selling is so important and it can be kind of scary. And I also even have tips for getting feedback. Ask for specific things. It can make it a lot easier to get feedback. So this is something I learned in my really intensive public speaking program that I did. When you're practicing your keynote and you're practicing in friends and family and you're like, Okay, now what do you think? It can be very disheartening because first of all, they don't even have the training you have. They might be like, well, you should change your topic. And you're like, I just spent 300 hours (laughs) writing this. I'm not changing my topic. I'm asking this, you know? And so ask like, for example, in the public speaking area, like how was my delivery? Did I talk slow enough specific things so that you're kind of braced yourself? And maybe that works better with that than other things you decide, but it can be a way to kind of curb the blow when you are getting feedback, especially if you're feeling a little vulnerable about it. Yeah, that's so important because it's something that we're getting all the time. There's feedback everywhere. It's so prevalent, but we're, some of us are just not doing it very well. We shy away from it because, oh, this is a personal attack on me. And it's, well, hang on, this is information. 
So when I'm open to learning and open to growth, I'm open to that feedback. I see it as valuable instead of somebody trying to trying to attack me personally. So the last one I'm going to ask is what are the top three things that you do to improve your mental well-being? Oh, I love this. What a gorgeous question. I'll start with gratitude. My day starts with gratitude. And I recognize sometimes I find myself just doing it as a tick box exercise, Melissa, to be honest. I was like, oh yeah, I'll do this gratitude list and then I'll feel better. And I didn't. And I was like, so what is it about it? So whenever I catch myself doing it as a tick box exercise, I think, right, what's an element of nature I'm grateful for? What's an opportunity I'm grateful for? Who's a person in my life that I'm grateful for as well? When there's something weighing on me to work through it, this is my next, because I spent years, like I said, just carrying all of that baggage. So if I feel like I'm not moving forward, like I'm stuck, it's an indication that I need to pause and work through something, maybe with myself, with a lovely girlfriend or with Steve, with one of my own coaches, but I got to work through it. And the next thing then is my physical health, because that has a huge impact on my well-being. And I know that if I haven't been out for a run in more than two days, or if I haven't been on the bike, gosh, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. So I, I love getting out. And again, it brings that gratitude together as well, because I go running in the park and it's just, and just keep it simple for your well-being as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yours are very similar to mine. I love and this. I know. Gratitude, though, is likely the most important because every time that I've found myself falling into almost like, I don't know what to call it. I I call it my hole (laughs) whenever I'm in a dark hole, because it's like, I'll still have like a week out of the blue that I'll just feel down. And I'm like, what is going on? And sometimes it's triggered by something. Sometimes it's triggered by the weather. (laughs) And so when I start focusing on gratitude though, like Because again, when I'm in a dark hole, it's like my thoughts follow and they're all in alignment with the dark hole thoughts. And so when I focus on gratitude, it eases all of the top offenders, like comparison. All of a sudden I'm realizing, oh, I don't have what this person has. And that's switching it from a mindset of lack to a mindset of abundance because you start to focus on what you do have instead of thinking about like, oh my gosh, my Amazon shopping cart is huge and I don't have the money to buy all of it. Like, it's like, do I need any of it? What do I have? And can I focus on that? And so that gratitude is a key part for me. Meditation is one of my top things because it decreases your reaction to almost everything. And so that includes the depressive thoughts instead of being like, oh my gosh, I am depressed. It's like, just let it simmer. Feel what that feels like. Tune into the body what are the physical sensations of this? And suddenly it doesn't feel like I'm going to be homeless and die. Like my mind was trying to convince me of. (laughs) So meditation is big. And then I actually have two more. Movement is a huge one because I find that when I'm in the dark hole, I don't want to move my body and I'm living all up in my head. And I really feel like a lot of the things that affect me mentally are because I'm spending too much time in my brain. So there's an imbalance. So I want to make sure that I'm in my body as often as I'm in my mind. And that just tends to keep me happier. And then having a creative outlet. And I actually define it more like creating more than you consume. And this doesn't mean that you need to be writing or creating courses or or doing it in the ways that like an influencer online would do. Having a conversation with a friend is creation. Moving your body, self-expression is creation. 
the consumption that I'm thinking of is, are you sitting in front of the TV? Are you scrolling through social media? Are you reading the news? Those are all of, it's like the recipe for having a bad day for me. And so, so that like creative consumption balances is a big part too. So beautiful. I love those. And I love the movement element of things because I think we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, I don't know, to, to just, oh, I need to be doing this. And I need to be doing that. And it's like, no, hang on. Why don't you listen to your body, tune in and maybe your body, maybe you want a hula hoop. Maybe you want to skip. <laughs> Yeah. That reminds me of what you said about the shoulds when you were like, Mm. I should go to the gym. One of the things that came up for me is that so often when I'm like, oh, I should do this. It's like, well, what's the real goal beyond that? It's not that my goal is the gym. And if you're having a hard time going, (laughs) your goal shouldn't be the gym. The goal might be exercise. It might be to feel better in your body. Is there a different way you can do that? Like that's something I had to face. I'm used to doing yoga for an hour a day. I've actually been doing it this last week again, but in the beginning of motherhood, it was really hard to find that solo time. And so I was like, well, what can I do that is movement that also incorporates my baby? And how can I do it in a way that will make me feel the best possible. And so I started doing these really long walks. So I'm out in nature and moving my body and spending time with my baby. And it was like the perfect. And so sometimes deconstructing what you think you should do and reframing the goal into something that actually feels good for you is really powerful. So powerful. And I think the context is everything as well, Melissa, isn't it? It's not that yoga is going to work all the time. Running is going to work every day for me. So again, it's being flexible. How gorgeous to be able to get out for those lovely long walks with your baby. Well, I think there's so much gold in this episode. Basically, if you're listening to this, you shouldn't have any problems anymore. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, for listeners that are interested in more of these amazing bite-sized tips to fix your life, (laughs) to feel better about life, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Oh, thank you, Melissa. So please feel free to reach out to me. I'm across social media, Linda Bonner, Life Coaching. My book, Just Three Things, is available on Amazon. You can email me at lynda at lindabonnercoaching.com. Yeah, you'll find me. I'm, I'm the same across Instagram and Facebook and I'm on Twitter. I mean, is anybody, am I the only person on Twitter these days? Oh, I'm I'm heavy on Twitter. You just got to find your circles. (laughs) (laughs) I followed you on Instagram and I often, oh gosh, I might go to my Twitter. So I love this. This is fantastic. All of the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 214. Your challenge for this week is to find a bite-sized way to help yourself grow. There's so many small ways. And the point is not that you pick one from this episode. The point is that you're choosing one small way to grow at every moment of your life. Even if that small way to grow is by learning to be and not doing anything at all. Self-growth doesn't always have to mean like intentional improvement or always learning something new. It could be just learning to be still or learning about yourself bringing a little bit more intention to a new moment of your day. These types of things cause us to self-reflect. And usually we already have all of the answers within us. We just need to make the time to sit in stillness for long enough or in quiet for long enough to be able to ask ourselves those questions and have the answers arise. So let me know what you learned this week. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you know somebody else who could benefit from it, please just tap that share button and send it to them. Or take a screenshot and share it on Instagram and tag Mind Love Podcast and Mind Love Melissa. Other ways to support the show are by joining Mind Love Premium. We have so many amazing episodes. Friday's episodes are actually premium episodes. So to get the entire backlog of premium episodes, sign up at mindlove.com slash premium or right there in the Apple Podcasts app. And finally, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help support the show. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into Your Higher Frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 